0: you're listening to transform your profits the podcast for accountants who want to build a more profitable successful and impactful accounting firm your host is reza huda a practice owner mentor and coach to accounting firm owners hello there i hope you're well and having a good start to the day so today we're going to talk about one price or three Million dollar question. Now, you've probably heard uh, conflicting views and opinions on this depending on uh, who's got your ear, who you listen to uh, uh, in terms of the different schools of thought uh, from, let's say, gurus to the profession or um, thinkers in their profession who uh, talk about uh, pricing and uh, one party will say that you need to use three prices. The power of three offer Three options to your customers. Others will say you just need to give them the one price that is best suited to that particular client. Now, you could say I'm in a fortunate position of being uh, of being an independent, and uh, the accountants I work with uh, are fortunate to have, uh, you know, someone like me who's still in practice is able to to take the concepts and the theories and apply them and make the mistakes before you do and uh, and then uh, uh, let you know about uh, what works and what doesn't. So I have used both approaches in my accounting firm and uh, I obviously teach uh, pricing concepts now in terms of what's best to use and which scenario which works well. So we're going to have a discussion around the one price or three approach and which one you should be using in your accounting firm. So to begin with, Let's just say that when I uh, when I first started out, obviously I was just uh, I was just pricing. You know, you've had this story of pricing by the hour, or just giving a a fixed price based upon you know, gut feel, based upon what the last accountant was charging, based upon what I could feel I could get away with. It was just one price. And then I came across the school of thought that uh, we should be giving options and choices to our clients, and the optimum number. Of choices to be giving is three. Now there is a power in the magic of three, and this stuff, you know, I've then on gone to to kind of read more widely in terms of okay, so where does this actually come from? What research is behind this? Uh, I went on to read the works of people like Daniel Kahneman, Amos Tversky. These guys are kind of Nobel uh, Prize winners in the in the field of economics and their studies of behavioral economics. Uh, feel free to go away and, uh, you know, research or, uh, or read their books. Um, and, uh, and other books like uh, Priceless by William Poundstone, The Psychology of Price. So I've done a lot of uh, reading around this subject, having been introduced to the concept and uh, power of uh, offering that three choices. And uh, in conclusion, or of a kind of a high-level summary, that it absolutely works. I mean, that's why you see the power of three across Many industries. From when you go and buy your cup of coffee from Starbucks or Costa, you'll be presented with a choice of three options. When you go and uh, buy uh, buy a car, for example, you're presented with three options first, and then additional options to then spec up the car the way you want it. When you go into the Apple shop, you're presented with three options for an iPhone or an iMac or an iPad, for you, you then to choose one particular option, and then you can then spec that one up accordingly. When you go and buy software. You're presented with three options so clearly there is a reason why these big companies and big brands are doing this because it works and why does it work so let's have a look at the kind of the theory behind it why does it work well first and foremost that we as customers we like choice and we want to be when we when we have choices available to us they help to identify our preferences and remember we talked about the concept of Pricing is merely taking a share of the value that we create. So pricing should be based upon a value, not cost, not time spent, and it's this you know, it's this difficult uh, notion of what is a value. Well, a lot of time, you know, we value is very subjective. It lies in the eyes of the beholder, and oftentimes we don't know our own value. So we need to be able to be given choices so that we can self-identify our value preferences. So when a supplier or some some uh, something that we are buying, somewhere we are buying from, gives us choices, it helps us to self-identify which one we value most. So that's why it works, because it helps us as customers to have Uh, to self-identify our preferences. And the other reason it works is that it gives us comparison. Now, when it comes to pricing, we are clueless. We, We have no idea whether a price is reasonable or not. And we look for comparisons. And the reason being is that because the area in our brain that is responsible for making judgments on price is the same area in our brain that's responsible for sensory judgments. So things like... Uh, things like uh, color, for example. So if I gave you, if I showed you two shades of red and I asked you what color are these, you'd probably tell me, well, you know, well, one is dark red and one is light red, but you wouldn't be able to tell me the exact shade of red that it is, even though we have a scientific scale, the IGB scale, and CMYK scale that has an exact kind of hex code for that particular color. Similarly, if I gave you a bag uh, with stones in it and asked you to tell me how much does it weigh, you wouldn't be able to tell me exact, the exact weight of the bag with stones in it. But if I gave you two bags and I said which one is heavier than the other, you would quite easily be able to tell me that. And the, the, so the conclusion of that is that we are sensitive to differences rather than absolutes. We are sensitive to differences rather than absolutes. And that's the same when it comes to pricing. We are sensitive to differences rather than absolutes. We have no idea whether that price in isolation is reasonable or not, which is why we use comparisons in our mind to uh to 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 deduce in our minds whether that represents value for money for us or not so rather and that's why we get two three quotes sometimes for things because we want to know whether this price is reasonable or not so the beauty of giving three options is that you are enabling the customer to compare with the options that you are giving them so they don't have to go out and get another quote they can you're giving them options a choice of three and they have the Power of choosing which one they can self-identify with, and they've got that power of context as well. That the power of comparison—they've they can compare against the options that you give them instead of comparing them with an outside party for uh, a similar service. So this is why the options of three—the power of three, giving three choices—absolutely works. Now, when do we use this in? Uh, pricing environment for our accounting firm. So I've been on a journey where initially I did start using uh, three option pricing and it does work. So I tell you when it works and it works really well. If you have a homogenous client base. So what I mean by that is that you have similar clients in a similar sector. So for example, you've niched down and the only type of clients that you deal with are let's say one man band consultants. So, what's required for those one-man-band consultants is pretty much, you know, you've got, you can tell what would be required for any one of those consultants, whether they are they're just you know, starting out or whether they are, you know, making, you know, whether they are making say eighty thousand pounds or they're making four hundred thousand pounds. By and large, you know, kind of the scope of what would be required for those customers because you are dealing with a homogenous client group. Now, in that situation, that is ideal for providing three packages to those clients because you know the extent of what is required. So you could have three options, and you'll see this in some some of the you know the large the large, um, the large uh, accounting uh, providers when it comes to providing these services to one man bank consultants, which I guess is a dying breed now because of I thirty five changes, etc. And I'm sorry if you're outside of the UK listening to this. Um, uh just a bit of a tangent on that point but where you have the homogenous client group then you can say right okay well we've got three packages here we've got the premium we've got the uh we've got the uh the middle option and then we've got the essential option the basic option and then you can craft those packages in line with the the, the scope and value preferences of the client group so for example in your in your basic option it could be doing everything for them so for example doing their accounts doing their cap to turn And doing the company secretary of staff acting as their registered office, for example, doing their payroll, and that's it just the bare bones, minimum compliance, get the work done. The middle option can add a few more bells and whistles. So, the bells and whistles can be, you know, for example, we'll do (coughs) uh, maybe have a a pre year end uh, tax planning meeting and uh, add in some uh, HMRC inquiry insurance. If the HMRC were to inquire into affairs, the tax authorities, then they're covered. And the premium option can then have some more bells and whistles, so it can have. You know um, uh, estimates of uh, of tax liabilities before they have to be paid. Management accounts, quarterly strategy and review meeting. So you can have a, a thing as to what is the bare minimum. So your basic option should be what is the bare minimum. Your middle option should be let's add if, a few more bells and whistles, and then the top option should be you know let's add in uh, some extra bells and whistles that only the most discerning of customers would want to go for. And that works really well when you're in a homogenous client group, as I said. The issue arises that when you have a situation where you've got a diverse client portfolio, so you maybe you haven't niche down. You're a generalist practice, so you may have a sole trader who's earning fifty thousand, and then a limited company client who's earning five million pounds a year. Now, in that situation, you know to have three options, unless you have a software-based approach that can really identify and knuckle down the scope of what is required for the breadth and the diverse nature of the customers you have, then just having three options in isolation is going to be difficult to actually appeal and cater for the larger breadth and diversity of the client base that you have. So in that situation, three options is is not impossible, but it's more difficult. And in that situation, then we have tools available to us now in terms of pricing tools, and like Google proposal, for example, a software that you can use, to come up with the price based upon the scope of the clients that you're working with and also the preferences. So I've used all the pricing softwares. I've used uh, effective pricing from uh, Mark from, sure I've used practice admission. I'm using Global Proposal now. We are predominantly using Global Proposal now, or only using Global Proposal now, pretty much, for our recurring fee projects. For, for, for recurring fee projects, we use Global Proposal. For one-off pricing, I still use the three Tier approach, which I'll probably have a chance to talk about in another episode because we're getting to the end of our session today. So in summary, if you have a homogenous client group, then three package pricing can work. If you don't and if you have a diverse and varied set of clients that where the scope would vary enormously, then the three package approach. Can work, but it would be you would need to have an iterative process to actually fully define the scope of what you're working with. To, ev- to ensure that you don't fall into that scope creep uh, realm and end up doing more than you envisage doing. So, so in terms of the the one price approach, um, that's probably veering into subscription pricing now as well, which I'll probably cover off in another episode. But uh, to su- su- suffice to say that. Why does software work? Software works because again, the premise is the same. We're still giving choices to customers. Even though the software at the end might be coming at a long price, it works because we are giving choices to our customers. Options and choices. And when we give options and choices to our customers, we get a better result because we help them choose what they want, what they need, and what they prefer. And we can build that into the software model so that we can still give different options to different customers based on what they value. And that is the key here, that it helps us to come up with what they value. So it's not only picking a set of services, but it's also we have questions in there that appeal to the value preferences of our potential customers. So we would ask them things like, who would you like to deal with? Would you like to deal with, you know, a junior member of the team and a manager, a senior manager, or a partner? And the price will vary depending on what they go for, depending on what their preference is. If they're happy to deal with a junior member of your team, and of, of course, the junior member has to be competent as a day-to-day contact, then the price is lower. Similarly, if they only want to talk to you as the sole practitioner, the partner, then the price would need to be higher. Another example is, you know, how would they like? How often would they like to meet with you? For example, if they want meetings every single month, then their, their price should be higher than if they only want quarterly meetings or if they only want behind uh, meetings or if they only want the you know, one meeting at the end, for example, or they don't want any meetings at all. So you're able to factor in questions that get to the value preferences of your client and that then helps you to come up with a price that uh, fully encapsulates and captures the scope and preferences of your particular prospect when you are looking to work with them. So essentially that's what software helps you to do really well to identify and capture the scope of the client's work and also the preferences in terms of how they like to work. So in summary, both work really well in different circumstances. There is a place where three option pricing works really well and that is when you have a homogenous client group and also when pricing one-off projects, which I'll probably cover off in another episode. I uh, There's a previous episode called how I went a fee of one hundred thirty-five thousand pounds, and I do touch upon that then. So if you haven't already checked out that episode, I can't remember the number, but just scroll down into the list of episodes before this one, and you should see it. And then the one price approach uh, works well because of we are limited in terms of uh, the the tools that we have available, and they're great tools. You know, we use GoProposal; and it's a great tool. It's allowed me to actually pass on <coughs> pricing to my team. So my team have, now that they have a standardized process and they have a standardized price list, essentially, then anyone in my team can price. And that is the beauty of using a tool like GoProposal, of having software at your fingertips that it takes it away. You know, I can then hand over and delegate that responsibility, which previously I would be responsible for all, for pricing all projects, whether that be new clients or for renewals. Now, I only get involved in, say, new clients that I'm talking to, The renewals happen through my team. My team have the system and they can then generate the renewal. If there's anything extra that's been added, if the client circumstances has changed, they can process all of that. Anyone in the team can do it because we have a standardized pricing structure to do so. Okay. So, um, I uh, I think we'll call it a day there. I hope you found that useful. If you did, drop me a message on LinkedIn, tell me what you found useful. And if there's anything else you would like me to cover, then reach out to me on LinkedIn, drop me a line. I'm always happy to hear from my listeners. I would love to know that you are listening and uh, what you found useful and what you would like to hear. And I'd be happy to create that content for you. All right. Well, take care. Have a great day and I'll catch you on the next episode. Bye for now.